Hello, everyone. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the program where myself, Dan Selke of WinnersComing.net, and Mia Johnson of Fansighted.com talk all things, in theory, talk all things fantasy, sci-fi, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, etc., and so forth. Um, but for the last couple of weeks, because the world and the entertainment industry have been beset by a cavalcade of catastrophes, both um, beyond our control and man-made. We've been discussing things like how Hollywood's reacted to the Black Lives Matter protests. And we have some more controversies this week. Let's, mm-hmm. Mia, how, how, how are you feeling about um, all, the, all the fun topics we get to talk about? You know, there's a lot. I think, I think the most surprising thing, though, is the momentum that's going. It's not a one-and-done thing, and I think the people of the world are like, we're going to continue on with this. It is, which is actually very, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I was kind of being cynical there, but you're right. At the end of the day, these are important <laughs> things to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I am just a nervous person. Part of me is like, what if I offend people? Why can't I go oh. back to talking about Narnia? Which we'll do a little later. Yeah, yeah. But well, first, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a time for learning and trying, so. But, it's a time okay, yes. <laughs> but first. <laughs> first, I was going to say, um, hello, everybody watching. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Nadal. Jorena, Thiago, Cindy, of course, Julie. Thanks for watching. If you like what we're going to ramble about today, feel free to find us on iTunes, Take the Black Live, leave an 80,000-star review, leave a comment. We appreciate those. You can also join the Wick Club. I know Wick Club t-shirt, and we'll talk about that a little later. But okay, let's get into it. Um, Mia, this week, yeah. the Black Lives Matter protests continued, and I wanted to focus on just like what kind of um, you know people in the entertainment industry are doing. So we had... Game of Thrones star Sophie Turner out there with uh, her husband Joe Jonas flashing the a Silence is Violent sign. Pretty cool. She's like been the one Game of Thrones star who's been out in front, really. Yeah. Um, kind of doing it. Although I will say, Carrie Ingram, who played Shireen Baratheon, the girl who got burned at the stake, has been out there too. But <laughs> Oh, wow. All right. Oh, hey. <laughs> so good for her. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And just uh, lots of folk. We got like, you know... Uh, Sam Hugan from Outlander, Pink, Brad Pitt, Zoe Kravitz, Ben Affleck, so on and so on and so forth. And uh, one of the best, um, and some folk have come out here and kind of done more than just protests. They've kind of talked about um, important issues, like John Boyega the last week had a very moving speech yeah. about Black Lives Matter. And this week, uh, Michael B. Jordan, who plays Killmonger in Black Panther, uh, came out and talked a little bit about like how... Hollywood can move forward from this. You know, we've all been talking about how are these protests going to effectuate changes in the justice system, among police, among prisons. But, you know, everyone has their specialty. And Boyega and, and uh, Jordan's not going to talk about that. He's going to talk about, I'm in Hollywood. How can that change? He talked about the need to hire more, um, you know, black uh, directors, agents, staff, like, not just actors, like, get more people of color mm-hmm. into the system that makes these movies. What did you think of his comments? Yeah, it was a really, really moving uh, speech. I kind of have a little excerpt here yeah, where, you know, he's saying, what is the challenge to commit to black hiring? Black content leads to black executives, black consultants. Be policing our storytelling as well. Let us bring our darkness to the light. Um, and yeah, it's this kind of weird chain where it's like, you know, yes, black people or any, you know, people of color 
can come out and say, hey, I have an idea for a movie or, hey, I want to do this. I want to uh-huh. do that. But it's ultimately up to the people above them, you know, the studio executives, casting, you know, all those people to, you know, give it the green light or give it the red light. So uh-huh. I think what he's saying is that, you know, it's just and I mean, really, in anything, you know, it's not enough to to just kind of sit back in one area and say, oh, well, we've got, you know, one black person here, one black person there. Uh-huh. And it's fine. Um, in the lens, I guess in the lens of Hollywood, which is what we're talking about, um, it really is about, you know, having people, you know, people who come from this experience to be able to okay, you know, these types of movies. If you say, oh, I want to make a movie about what it's like to, and off the top of my head, be a black person attending a publicly white institution. You know, mm-hmm. somebody might say, oh, I don't, I don't get that. Why would anybody want to see that movie? But it's kind of like, well, this is a big, you know, universal experience for this audience. So, you know, they, it, it's basically a matter of, you know, can't relate. So not going to support type of thing <laughs> to, to end my, my, my rambling on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try and pick it up and add some of my own. Um, I mean, yeah, well, you, you always hear about, you know, the, the, the importance of diversity, but it, it, it's so easy to kind of say, we need diversity but that kind of boils down to we tweeted that we need diversity or you put yeah. a token person on there. But I, I think the idea is just that if you have people in the infrastructure of building any business, really, like movies, police, TV, um, that's going to build a bigger Congress that will build like a support base to grow from there. Like mm-hmm. it, it has to be institutionalized in a way that it's just not. I, I yeah. think that's what a lot of this is about. Yeah. I would say it's the difference between like something that was really kind of controversial this last week or so was like the help was kind of like, I think it's like probably yes. the number one, you know, top 10 movie on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you know, that's a great movie, but it doesn't really shed any light on the you know like the real experiences of black people or it it kind of like they say suffers from a white savior syndrome where it's like "Eh, it's about you know the the black maids and their experience but more so it's like you know bryce dallas howard and emma stone um you know coming to the rescue and that's an old narrative you know and 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 embedded in our history and so it's like you know we we kind of have to I mean, you know, put that to an end, you know, wipe out these stereotypes and put out stories that are, you know, more telling that uh, are more authentic, even though like, um, and I'll, this is my last rambling, Netflix came out with a list of uh, Black Lives Matters movies and TV shows to watch. All you have to do is type in like Netflix slash Black Lives Matter. Um, and it's a really, really well curated list of movies that actually cool. do their part in, in telling these stories. Yeah, I mean, you have to write it's kind of like a half measure thing, right? Like, like the help or like green book is another example of a movie yeah. that, that, that won the Oscar. That's like, this is a movie about the black experience told from the perspective of a white man who learns how to not be racist, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the criticism is that, okay, but it, it's not really, it's still about a white person. It's not exactly, really yeah. centering the black experience. And that's, that to me is like a half measure. Like that's something mm-hmm. that's, if you want to really have change and Hollywood's powerful, right? I mean, Hollywood creates stories that become part of the popular consciousness that we yeah. all talk about and that we all um, learn from as kids, as adults. And so if you really want to use the platform you have to do the most good, 
you should commit to telling, you know, stories that honestly do center other experiences. And we'll get to using platforms for good or bad in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you have another? So, yeah, I, oh, so, I know, uh, go, go ahead, because I, I'll probably waste the whole <laughs> podcast time talking about this. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had a note about uh, how does how does K-pop fit into this? Yes, that's right. K-pop. <laughs> uh, so in line, going back kind of to the, uh, you know, the celebrities making a difference, I believe so it was BTS went ahead and their company, um, whoever manages them, made a pledge to donate a million dollars to Black Lives Matter or a large sum of money. Um, and this one is what I think is interesting. It's like the BTS fandom or just the K-pop fandom in general are so good at mobilizing that they match that donation that BTS made and all the fans collectively, um, I believe they exceeded their goal of raising a million dollars to match the contribution that BTS made. So it is really interesting to see how kind of, you know, fandom fits into this um, as a way of, of kind of rallying together and saying, you know, we're going to support this cause. We're going to donate. We're going to help whatever way we can. As well as, you know, like uh, the K-pop fans took over some of those hashtags. You know, I don't even want to mention them, but, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. any any hashtag with some bad rhetoric in them and just flooded it with fan camps, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. So they're doing their part, too, and they, you know, they earned their little badge. <laughs> K-pop, man. I may have to start getting into K-pop because, like, those people show yeah. up. Yeah. They, they do stuff. They are always yeah. active. Yeah. yeah. It is a mystery. I might have to plumb. We'll have to talk about it sometime. All right, shall we move on? Do we have anything more to say about this? Oh, you know, let's let's move on. <laughs> okay, um, we're moving on to a n- new exciting topic. So, um, try to try to talk about this while yeah. not stumbling over myself because this is another area where I'm just not telling. Because I don't know, it's kind of out of my lane. Yeah. All yeah, right, yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling the noted author of such books as the Harry Potter books, which have sold, I don't even want to, a lot of, a lot of freaking copies, millions and millions of copies, millions and millions of dollars. Um, over the past couple of days has stirred up some controversy and she is no stranger to controversy, by the way. Like she tends to um, stir this stuff up once in a while for lots of different reasons. Basically her latest um, reason for being on the hot seat is that she first tweeted a couple of tweets that, um, I'll just say it, were transphobic. Basically, this argument that, talking about how she believes that sex is real, she is kind of making fun of, you know, It's like a, trans like a women. sex versus gender thing. Yeah. Yes. Not like, you know, the act, like, <laughs> just to clear yeah. that up. <laughs> I, 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 I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, basically... What she's saying boils down to, I think this is, I think it's a fair reading, mm-hmm. um, that trans men aren't really men, trans women aren't really women, because you know she's saying if sex isn't real, none of this is true. So it's implying that because sex is determinative, is real. If you are born genitalia, you are a man. Born genitalia, you're a woman. And basically, trans people aren't valid. A mm. um, lot of blowback, a lot of attention, still ongoing because she just published yeah. uh, editorial 
a long, long, long statement trying to. Well, I read the- her. I don't. Yeah. You, I, I, I backed out like halfway through. It was taking me forever. I was like, wait, Joanne, please. <laughs> and she just doubled down too. Yeah. So yeah. like, basically, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but like the, the gist of it, I think, is that she is what people refer to as a turf, a trans exclusionary radical feminist, which means she is kind of cloaking transphobia with feminist platitudes. Like, she's misrepresenting these arguments. Like, there's this one bit in her essay where she talks about, like, I care about people with MS, which is a disease that is treated differently in men and women. But if sex is erased legally, that will, like, somehow, dot, 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 it'll be bad for them. Yeah. How would that make any difference? Like, (laughs) at all? So that's basically the, the gist. So... Without getting into the uh, rather robust um, Mm -hmm. discourse around trans issues, around transphobia, around TERFs, um, let's get to the bit where Daniel Radcliffe calls her out and writes an essay for the Trevor Project, which is a LGBTQ suicide prevention um, nonprofit organization, basically saying, I disagree. So the trans women are women, trans men are men. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associates who have far more expertise in the subject matter than either Joe or I. And what I wanted to focus on was this bit where he talked about kind of how do you deal with something you love, be it a book, a movie, Mm -hmm. a TV show, or anything, when the person who creates it uh, maybe has politics that you disagree with to the extent that it's hard to, like... Can, can you still love the thing? Like he says mm-hmm. to all the people who now feel that their experience of the books has been tarnished or diminished, I am deeply sorry for the pain these comments have caused you. I really hope that you don't entirely lose what was valuable in these stories to you. If these books taught you that love is the strongest force in the universe, capable of overcoming anything, if they taught you that strength is found in diversity and that dogmatic ideas of pureness lead to the oppression of vulnerable groups, if you believe that a particular character is trans, non-binary, gender-fluid, or that they are gay or bisexual, if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you at any time in your life, that is between you and the book that you read, it is sacred. And in my opinion, nobody can touch that. Which, by the way, I think is part of the reason this is hitting people so hard, that Mm -hmm. the Harry Potter books are so much about all of those things. They are about overcoming prejudice and banding together even if you have, if if you're different. If like celebrating the things that make you unique and different, and maybe on the outs with our society, and fighting against people who are trying to push one very narrow view of what it is to be, you know, a wizard, but mm-hmm. that's a pretty easy metaphor to what it is to be, you know, a person. And so when you have an author like this who's kind of coming out uh, being a bigot, it, it 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 clashes so so harshly. Yeah. So what do yeah. you think of this, Mia? Any of that. I, I you like know, that. You know, yeah, I think, uh, Daniel, that was a really kind of eloquent way of saying that that I never pictured before. Because we've, I think we've had these, uh, well, society has had this conversation at this point time and time again now. Um, you know, just because, you know, finding out what these creators have said or done or, you know, all these things. But... 
I, I, I will say I do like that he's kind of like, you know, it's between you and what you were able to take away from, mm-hmm. you know, in this case, this piece of literature. Um, because it, I think what makes it easy is that it's kind of like, you know, a book, you've already read it. <laughs> you don't have to buy the book again, like, you know, music or listen to it over and give it like streaming money. And you're like, oh, I don't want to support them in this way. Uh, but it's kind of like a, a one and done thing, right? You've kind of read it, maybe read it a couple times sure. and it's, it's sat with you. And I feel like in that regard, it can help you kind of distance yourself from the creator, distance yourself from JK because, and yeah, this is another thing where it's like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to watch my words. Uh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not easy. It, it, I mean, for, yeah, it, it's just, it's just really not an easy thing to do, but. I think if you have learned something, if it is something that has helped you, um, you know, that's something to use to your benefit. And you can just kind of quietly acknowledge that and say, well, you know, I've learned from this. I've, you know what? It's like, it's like, you know, kind of like having a friend or having a toxic partner, right? Where you had some experience with them. You know, you might've had some good times. You might've had, you know, sometimes some fights mm. and these things, but you learn from them in the end. And if it yeah. really is just toxic, you walk away from it. At least, you know, knowing that taking what you've learned in the past and growing from that. So boom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, what do you think of the notion of like, if, if you're a Harry Potter fan, mm-hmm. should you get rid of your books? Or like, 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 I'm thinking of like, um, and again, I'm just bringing more controversy into this. I can't stop. Help me. Like when the Michael Jackson documentary came out Mm -hmm. and, um, it kind of explored his, uh, dicey past. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. I, I have like a, like a hard time sort of listening to like when a song comes on the radio, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love Harry Potter too. And I, I'm um, like, how do you, and, and, and I don't have the answer to this, by the way. And if anybody out there is listening, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. How do you kind of reckon with that, that you have something that like, you maybe want to reread or re-listen to or re-watch or like to a Cosby show with Bill Cosby, something like that. Mm-hmm. But because like, is it tainted forever or can you, um, can you go back and enjoy it? Like, yeah. can can someone who is a trans person, and obviously I'm not asking you to, like, speak for them, we can't speak for them, of course, um, yeah. go back and enjoy Harry Potter again, just knowing that um, the person who wrote it is spreading this message. Like, using her 8 million fo- strong following platform to spread this kind of message. I mean... Mm-hmm. I, I think it puts fans in a difficult position with some uh, yeah. tough cases. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think kind of like going back again to what, what Daniel Radcliffe said was it's kind of, it, it really is a personal decision. It really yeah, is, it is like up to, it's up to you to ask yourself those questions um, and to evaluate, you know, what does it mean going forward? Can I detach myself from this material? And, you know, if I want to enjoy it, can I, or if, it's just better to cut ties altogether than to do it. Um, and yeah, I think it's kind of like, yeah, the support, I think like monetarily is kind of where you draw a line. Like if you're, 
renting a video or, you know, streaming a song, then I feel like that's kind of, I would say, and maybe I'm getting a little bit offhand too, <laughs> but different in a way because it, it is like certainly giving them support to where it directly affects that creator because they're like, oh, well, you know, now somebody is listening or they're, they're doing whatever, they're streaming my movie. Whereas, I don't know, I think I've kind of went off on a tangent here, but <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's very the, easy with this. At the end of the day, it's, it's very complicated. Like I, I think yeah. one of the, the books on my uh, stand over there, you know, is it's uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which she, she didn't write, no. right? But it's it's from her, so I almost feel sure, kind of safe <laughs> having that on my books, you know, on my on my <laughs> nightstand. But um, yeah, it I, it's it's really something you have to evaluate. I I, I don't think there's a right or wrong thing yeah. to do. Neither do I. Um, and it again, it just it all really just kind of varies by the situation. I think I will still be a Harry Potter fan, kind of just because of you know what it meant for me growing up. Um, and at least to an extent, the whole thing is not problematic. There is, you know, sure. the Lee Jordans and the Cho Chang problematics. And that gets into a whole nother discussion at the same time. But, we could uh, keep going forever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I mean, uh, as Julie says, separate the work from the artist, which I, I think is the ideal. I um, mean, yeah, I like what you said about just it being kind of an individual choice. Yeah. Like, you can like problematic things just fine. In fact, it might even be necessary, too. Um, someone said that at some point. So, yeah, I have no problem with that. I, I like leaving up to the people in involved. Mm-hmm. But, woof, this has been a rough one. Um, did you all see that, that, that Ice Cube tweeted out, like, an anti-Semitic conspiracy? Uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure what was going on there. I just saw him trending, and then I saw the symbol, and I was like, Ice Cube, my dude, what are you doing? It's nuts. <laughs> it was like, oh, there are... The- <laughs> it, was fu- it was like... So there are these like four black blocks in parts of the world, and then you put them in a star of what are you talking about? <laughs> Makes no sense. Maybe And there was no context. He didn't even say anything. I was like, so what are you what are you trying to say, Ice Cube? Please. Maybe um the whole getting to know celebrity thing was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we just shouldn't do it. <laughs> just have a different Twitter island where there's no celebrities and you don't tell them about it. <laughs> or just get rid of Twitter, or just because uh, because I don't know. Ugh, you, you know, I'm always of two minds about this, and also like all this stuff, like in the midst of the Black Lives Matter protest, in the midst of the mm-hmm. coronavirus, during Pride Month, J.K. Rowling's coming yeah. out you know, during Pride Month. Yeah, <laughs> like please, just it, it. I don't know. Uh, it's like when you have to step back and keep defending yourself and keep defending yourself, it's like maybe you need to take a step back and realize that you are probably doing something wrong <laughs> or just stop altogether. Just stop. Just please. Stop. <laughs> oh, for God's for the week. I, 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 yeah. I like what Luann says. JK is the author of Harry Potter. It's his own story. The two are separate. I don't see or think of JK when I watch HP. I just enjoy the story. I do too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, frankly, I don't see it affecting me that much. I think it's like different for different people or like different mediums too. Like uh, we'll, we'll move on shortly, but like, I think it's easier to separate like the Harry Potter story from JK Rowling than it might be to separate, say like Michael Jackson's songs from Michael mm-hmm. Jackson. You know what I'm saying, cause like he's singing them and dancing all that stuff. But like when you read the book, I mean, you, you don't have to think about the person writing it if you don't want to. Exactly. Yeah. It's a different yeah, that's a good thing. Point. Like by degrees. It's a complicated miasma. Maybe we'll get into it more on Wit Club. I don't know. 
I'm so tired. I wanted to talk about, okay, do we have anything else to uh, add to this? Very oh, I would, I, would, I would love to move on. <laughs> okay, great. I, did, I didn't want this all to be just um, touchy subjects, hot topics of the show. So let's talk about a couple more lighter topics that are more mm-hmm. in our wheelhouse of fantasy, sci-fi, fun stuff. Um, let me ask you this, Mia. Have you been to Narnia? You know what? You always put me to shame because you read so many books and I don't. <laughs> no, no, see, but I, watch- I, I don't read many books. I just make the outlines for the show when I choose the subject <laughs> of the books that I've read. It's very different. Okay. Yeah. No, I have never, I never ever read the Narnia books, um, which actually they're quite old, aren't they? Oh yeah. They're old, like so around speak, the time I- of like the Lord of the Rings books back in, back in the okay, day. Okay, yeah, because I remember my mom talking about Narnia, so I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, but I did see the movie, the, the first movies when they came out, so I, I know a little bit about Narnia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Narnia is, you know, a classic series, um, C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. Lion the Talks, et cetera, and so forth. Um, Blood of Books, I read it when I was a kid, um, show off. And for a while, we've known that Netflix is going to produce a, apparently, like, both a TV show and movies. Yeah. Not quite sure how that works out. But we haven't heard anything for a very long time. And then um, I think the Netflix France Twitter account just put out that the Narnia movies and series are still in the works. Like, I put this in, like, the post-Game of Thrones, like, like a fantasy wave. Like, yeah. this is right up there with, like, The Witcher and mm-hmm. um, Lord of the Rings show Wheel of Time. Like, we're going for these big TV show fantasy properties. Um. But that is basically confirmation that uh, it's still on the way. Mm-hmm. I think it's cute. I, I mean, yeah. it's more like kind of for kids. Like the, the, the Narnia series is what it's intended to be. My mm-hmm. fear with something like that is that an executive at Netflix would be like, we're going to do the Game of Thrones version of Narnia mm-hmm. and make it like, Aslan's going to rip out the Queen's throat. It's going to be blood everywhere or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm... I never thought I never thought about that. I think they can kind of find a way to still make it kind of down to earth for kids. Um, at least that wasn't my first thought. I thought it was still going to be something for kids, you know, a movie in the series. Uh, especially because, I mean, kids are such a big audience anyway. Kids will just sit there and put on Netflix and never turn it off. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a really great guaranteed audience, you know, if they want to save kind of the, the you know, the throat ripping or well i thought um who's it Aslan, right isn't he supposed to be like a metaphor for jesus or christianity so they isn't supposed to be they couldn't do that could they i would say don't underestimate the power of trends i mean up <laughs> no like they shouldn't do that that'd be a terrible idea but i mean uh, i don't know you look back at like other trends like the first narnia movies were completely made because of the Lord of the Rings movies. And this Narnia TV show is completely getting made because of Game of Thrones. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, for those movies, they pumped, up, they pumped them up and made them more epic because Lord of the Rings did that. Even though they're not, like, they're pretty, like, kind of, like, small kind of uh, fairy stories in the books. Mm-hmm. Like, um... The subject material is one thing, but Hollywood trends are very powerful. So that's yeah. that's that's where my <laughs> in in this one, Aslan's gonna gonna tear people up. Fear comes from a little bit. 
<laughs> that is really interesting to think about. Yeah. Oh, like it, it, it was those. It was the His Dark Materials uh, movies came out mm-hmm. after Lord of the Rings. Like there was a, a gold rush of those big things after it. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it again. And it's just a matter of uh, which ones float and which ones sink and um, yeah. how to handle them. Yeah, it's the circle of Hollywood. Circle of Hollywood. <laughs> As Lisa says, Lisa says, I would love to see a Narnia show and movie, but really, not everything has to be GOT. I completely agree with yeah. you, Lisa. Um, it, it shouldn't be, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, I, my only fear is, like, Hollywood folk, to my experience, kind of, like, work on what, what was popular three years ago, and then they just kind of slap mm-hmm. it on to whatever they're making now. Yeah. So, I don't want it to be, like, GOT. I'm just a little afraid that they're going to take it and make it like that anyway. But we'll see. <laughs> When yeah, comes yeah. Out. That's kind of like the um, what's the Netflix series that we were talking about last time about the the King Arthur, the oh, Lady yeah, of the Lake, and it, it kind of looked like a sexy Riverdale show. So who knows? <laughs> that is complete. Yeah, that is definitely King Arthur. Game of Thrones meets Riverdale. That's what that show is going to be. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm okay with. Honestly, I, I could do it. And finally, speaking of Game of Thrones, we had one, I just wanted to run this by you. Um, Mia, would you watch a show where Hafthor Hulius Bjornsson, or a.k.a. Gregor the Mountain Clegane from Game of Thrones, the guy who squeezed out Oberyn Martell's eyeballs in a one-on-one duel, would you watch a show where he goes head-to-head with elite athletes in tests of strength? What is it? It's oh. called Beat the Mountain, and it's the mountain's own reality show. First of all, really quick, he didn't call it Climb the Mountain. Why not? Like, why not? I know why. Oh, I know why. why <laughs> you know what? Maybe we'll. Maybe I'll pass on that explanation. <laughs> okay. How intriguing. Not- afterwards. <laughs> it sounds not safe for work, doesn't it? Climb the mountain. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, it's 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 a mountain. Like, you you, you climb it. I uh, maybe sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, he has a new reality show. He's trying to do it. Is that something you're interested in watching, Mia? Is this the you good weird or bad weird? You know what? Yeah. Almost right up my alley. I I there was this show. I think it was with like Stone Cold Steve Austin, the wrestler. Um, and it wasn't like beat, it wasn't a beat him, but it was like this, you know, uh, competition show of strength. I love, um, oh my gosh, um, American Ninja Warrior. I love that show. I love love all those wipeout shows. So oddly enough, that's something that I would be interested in seeing this. Uh, I I wish there was like a Coliseum we could watch this in or something. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I would do it too. Although, uh, in the comments, we are getting some uh, very negative reactions. Oh, yeah. no. Just straight no it from Judy. It, it does sound one-sided, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. what's that going to be like? Like, you are like six feet eight tall and weigh 400 pounds. Like, who's going to come in to face you? Who? And <laughs> Luann Miller, no, just no. Can't disagree. I just found that funny that he's trying to straight up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, I, yeah. I, I would like to see those. I think I would like to see those, the challengers, see the fails and, uh, you know, seeing people get knocked down on their butts. That's why I would be all for it. Yeah, that guy trash talks a lot. Like he and Colin McGregor have a little feud going. Like they oh, fought God. once. He has a full on 
high school uh, style, like uh, just like slap fest going on with uh, like another professional strongman named Eddie Hall they're like going back and forth with each other it's like you don't know what it is you cheated and like oh my god this is so middle school lunchroom boys boys please (laughs) and they're like gonna have a boxing match (laughs) it's just like can you imagine like two 450 pound guys in a boxing ring like how would it yeah Um, (laughs) so he's a character definitely oh yeah I say sure. Give him a reality show. Put it on, um, I don't know, ESPN 96 and see if anybody tunes in. <laughs> Great right, content. Uh, the fans it. Anything <laughs> you or anyone out there who's listening uh, is watching? Anything new or anything old? Um, I watched this week on HBO, I May Destroy You, um, oh, with Michaela good. Cole from Chewing Gum. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Um. I would say, you know, if we're still talking about diversity, it was really interesting uh, to see because it's it, it's based in London. So to see a predominantly black cast in London mm-hmm. after watching, you know, all my Doctor Who's and all my Sherlock's and stuff, I was like, wow, there is diversity in London. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it was really cool. I've never watched Chewing Gum, but um, I've heard uh-huh. this one is obviously a lot more dramatic than uh, than her last series. Um, and it, it's, it's a little, it's going to get a little deep too. It's going to talk about sexual assault, but it's still kind of just like a light. It was a lot more lighthearted. She was a very relatable character and it's only, I love that when shows are only 30 minutes. So I was like, yes, yes. you know, I could just watch this in one little quick go and I can, you know, continue on to do whatever else I want to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what the next episode is like. Um, I think it comes on Sundays. I agree with you. More 30 minute shows, less full hour long shows. Yeah. By the way, uh, <laughs> Carolyn asking, "Is Game of Thrones coming back?" Um, no, it, it's not, Carolyn. We're talking about this uh, this this new reality show that one of the guys from Game of Thrones is trying to shop around. We'll see if that goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. I would like not want to say no to him if he got in the pitch room, but well, that's another issue entirely. Um, <laughs> there is a spinoff coming. That that be down the pike. Um, I started watching Space Force, and I think it's kind of cute. I think it's fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not hating it. You- you know, my brother said something that I completely agree on because he just finished it this week. He says Space Force is a show that I like, but I don't think it's completely funny. <laughs> and there, there are moments, sure. I don't know how, how far deep you are. And you might like Third the episode. humor. I think it's a little subjective as well. Oh, of course, um, of course it is. And I was like, yeah, I, that's what I agree. It, it, it feels kind of, it, it's interesting but I'm not sure. To me, some of the jokes don't always hit the way that they should. And I know, like, humor is subjective and stuff. Yeah. Um, so if I gave Space Force, like, a really, really bad review, I hope that didn't, you know, <laughs> make things too bad. But when you said that, like, it. I was like, yeah, I think that it, like, on the outside is a good show. I, I would have liked just a little bit more from it. As Julie is watching the one, is watching the one with Mark Ruffalo, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or places on Twin on HBO that looked pretty good. Yeah. White Line is excellent. I know this much is true. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good title. Lisa Flores says, "What we do in the shadows? Thirty minutes? Oh, I'm definitely watching." Oh yeah, Lisa, I'm not kidding. That show always looked cool to me, but I was like, another hour long drama. I don't know. I have to yeah. go the sitter. But if it's a half hour, I actually will probably. I did not. That. I don't know why. It's kind of just like now if I see something, I automatically assume it's yeah. you know 30 minutes or you have to put in the 40 minutes to watch it. So that's pretty, I like digestible stuff. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, 
I would settle for 43 minutes, like the old network yeah, show. Like, yeah. And I mean, like, I still, uh, so for example, I just started watching, like, I finally got proper into The Last Kingdom on Netflix. I've been saying okay, I will for a long yeah. time. And that's a long way. And it's good. It's worth it. But, you know, you can't really have, like, too many of these hour-long shows. Yeah, <laughs> really yeah especially, I you. I used to like that because Netflix, you know, wasn't kind of constricted to, you know, commercials and everything happening on the half hour. Like, wow, this episode is, you know, an hour and six minutes. It's, you know, but I think that's kind of worn off for me in most cases. (laughs) But yeah, Um, Yeah. good to watch. And Lisa, thank you. I will probably check that out now because it'll be a good Mm -hmm. kind of comedic condition. I like to mix it up, like watch like an hour long thing and a comedic thing, half hour thing. Oh, yeah. All right. Any other comments, Mia, before we sign off for the day? Um, no, no, no. It's a good talk. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> a good talk. High five. <laughs> oh, Julie, I mean, like, I love the one-hour shows, too. It's just, it, it's, like, hard to watch a lot of them at once, I find. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, they can do things the shorter ones can't. There are good things in both ways. Uh, I'm going to leave a link here for the Wick Club which is our specialty area where we give away prizes, extra videos, and articles. Kablam. So if you check it out. And we will be back next week for the normal free show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Facebook. Oh, face. I have no book in my room. Never mind. Oh, well. See you then, guys. Thanks for watching. Bye.